You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Ryan McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. What's up, everyone? And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. So in the show today, Evan Pasoko will be joining us to recap week three of the iRacing Coke series at Vegas. And we look at to take some goodies coming up at the uh, season two build coming up next week. Our uh, iRacers Lounge podcast is sponsored by GridFinder. They're the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder is also a great resource to find paint designers and race commentators. Recently, they have been adding some great articles discussing various aspects of running leagues and sim racing in general. GridFinder is constantly adding helpful content and giving us all more reason to visit www.grid-finder.com. And we'll jump right into the Coke news, starting with a couple of videos that we that we presented. Uh, we've got one, or not that we presented, but that iRacing presented. Uh, Dell Jr. and Nick Ottinger are showing up on the little thumbnail here, and they gave him they gave the uh, 2020 Coke Series champion an interview posted on iRacing. We also have one with Michael Conti. Yeah, I thought these were great. I try to get to know the drivers a little bit better. Uh, Nick told us some stuff that I, I don't think I knew uh, in this video, and uh, it was certainly interesting. And he's, yeah, these were – go ahead, Davis. No, go I was, ahead. I was going to transition this out, so go for it. These are just kind of like vignette kind of exposés of these two drivers, and uh, it gives a little background about their histories and, uh, you know, what they're up to now. Uh, so uh, they're they're – they're pretty good, and I, I imagine there's going to be more coming up before some of these Kirk races. That's what I'm thinking. This is the first two that we've seen so far. Um, I expect they'll do all of them, you know, or at least the top runners. And uh, but it's neat, uh, like I said, to just kind of hear some backstory. You know, what what else do they do besides, uh, you know, re- doing sim racing? And it's kind of neat to see, you know, we'll take a peek into their regular life. Yeah, there's quite a bit of stuff about Michael Conte. He works kind of he works with um, what Hendricks, right? He works with Hendricks Motorsports, and has pictures uh, of of him at his job there. That's pretty cool. First time winner Ashton Crowder final time at a turn four to his first win in the eNASCAR Peaked and the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nitron Garillo gonna look to the bottom it is not gonna be enough and Ryan Luza is gonna go back to back he steals the win at Thunder Valley welcome the voice of iRacing Evan Pasoko. All right, and that brings us to Evan Pasoko. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. All right. So the other big story before the race was uh, your story. Tell us what happened. Yeah, so I, was, uh, I wasn't able to go home um, because I was in a, uh, a precautionary quarantine because somebody that I work with was sick. Um, but I'm fine. I'm healthy. I haven't felt bad at all. 
uh, but I'm just being held uh, until Sunday um, when I'm allowed to go. So it's made my remote setup a little bit interesting. It's funny because I've actually done more broadcasts this week than I otherwise would have. Um, but yeah, just a little bit of a different circumstances for me. And uh, it was definitely different on the broadcast without your voice behind the play-by-play. Um, of course, Pike did a great job. Uh, you know, he, he's a, a consummate professional. Um, I, obviously, you watched the race and and for the first time had quite a bit uh, different perspective on what was going on, right? Yeah, I was uh, as involved as I could be. So I was helping out behind the scenes, um, monitoring a lot of the driver radio chatter, um, and and kind of you know, hey, this was a good sound bite, so we could pull that sound bite. So then, when Justin did a pit report, um, we had some audio to go along with it. So it, it totally different perspective for me to be able to hear that that radio chatter as the race is going. You know, some of the guys that um, you know the Nexus guys and the LAD or the LA Tedler Esports guys were you know very serious. And it's funny every time we jump on Ashton Crowder's radio, he was singing or doing karaoke. So not to out Ashton, but he's real fun to listen to uh, on the radio. So it was a unique perspective. Um, but but hoping to get you know back into the booth when we get to Atlanta. You know, I think that you being on the radio and just having that um, and doing something different with the broadcast will probably help you on in the future on the other broadcast because uh, you'll you'll have that perspective, right? Oh, one hundred percent. Because you know we can talk about you know what what these teams are probably discussing all we want, but unless you know in the booth we only hear the little snippets that get pulled. So it was real fun to be able to basically sit in for a whole race to hear how much strategy gets talked in. And you know I, I mentioned I was assigned to the ESE and, and the Nexus room, so those were kind of the teams that I was monitoring, and, and you know some of the other teams as well. And you know Elliot Sadler was coming in at a couple of points and and giving these guys feedback on tape. At one point they were saying you know hey we're we're going to run, you know, this tape number and, and Elliot's like, I'd go a little bit lower and play it safe. And that kind of dynamic um, was interesting. And that'll extend also because I'll be, uh, you know, joining coverage of the, the eNASCAR Road to Pro qualifying iRacing series tonight as well. So that's not normally a series that I'm available for because that's normally um, a travel day for me. But um, because I'm in the hotel, I've, I've got time. So I'll be uh, part of that coverage uh, this evening. So that'll be uh, just another way that I'm, tr- I'm trying my best to, to make best of the situation, right? And, and get in, in as involved as I can, because sometimes, you know, we don't get to see that, um, you know, when, when we're just in the booth and whatnot. So um, I think I'll, I'll learn a lot by the end of the week. Okay, let's get into the race and see what happened. Lap five, uh, early caution. First one of the season, Mitchell DeJong. Looks like he blew up. He got tagged from behind. I think a lot of people were being aggressive with the tape. Yeah, and that that's the first point I made before we started. And I don't know if we had time to actually make a point about it on the broadcast, but the, the thing that I reported back when I was listening in pre-race was tape is going to be a big question mark. And instantly, uh, you know, I almost I was I was poking fun with with Cattell and, and Overland and, and Michael and all those guys post-race or after the pre-race show. And I, I just want to – I made fun of them on Twitter, but I'm going to get this out as well, is I was thinking that Mitchell was going to be the race winner because um, I thought that it was going to be his turn after things didn't really go that well at Homestead after Good Q effort. And I almost called 
um, Mitchell as the winner. So, so I'm not going to accept the blame on that because I opted not to, and and my pick ended up being correct at the end of the night. But it's just a tough break for Mitchell because he's so good in qualifying, and that's two times in a row. Obviously, he's still got a decent finish out of the Homestead race, but yeah, just too much tape at Vegas, and basically instantly everybody was was taking a little bit of tape off. A lot of drivers were actually you know clutching it just a little bit to try to keep those temps down. And Vegas was much more of a pack than Homestead was, so I think that. Uh, was why those issues were a little bit more uh, common than they were the week before. Yeah, up front, up front it was Vincent, Mullis, Kerwin, Luza, Lyon, Lap 11, the big one, another caution. It was contact with Blade, Witt, and Graham Bolin. Uh, it was a multi-car incident uh, down the backstretch into turn three. Uh, Bolin was not happy with Witt, uh, apparently, on the radio. Uh, Garrett Lowe, not happy with ARCA brakes from behind. Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, you know, were, were a bit frustrated with that. And, and that, I think, goes back to the point that I made just before, right? Um, you just didn't get spread out. Not that Homestead got way spread out like it would have a couple years back, right? But you, you just weren't getting spread out at Vegas. And that was kind of a theme in a messy opening part of the race, right? First third to, like, the first half of the race was pretty messy. That was the theme is... Once one person had an issue, everybody had an issue because everybody was so on top of each other that I think more cars were getting wrecked, uh, getting run over, trying to check up for the actual initial incident than, uh, you know, the first bits of contact were. And and that's kind of the name of the game um, with the current intermediate racing. And that brought multiple uh, people down pit road, but multiple people staying out. And so we had a split strategy after this point. And it didn't work out really for the people that pitted. It seemed like... uh, we did a Tim Duggar interview and then another caution for Mullis and Brad Davies as Mullis was trying to come up through there. There were, again, multiple cars destroyed. Yeah, anytime you get, you know, like if, if, if the race is going to have 30 lap runs, 40 lap runs, then the strategy is a little bit more straightforward, right? Um, you know, you kind of know that you guys are going to come in each time through and, and you're going to gain some spots, lose some spots on pit cycles. But when you have those yellows every 10 to 15 laps into a run, then the door is open because that's not really enough time for the tires to make a huge difference. But it's just enough that if you stay out, you know, somebody else is going to pit and then they're going to be on the run. So that, I think, made for a great opening half of the race from my perspective because there was so much discussion. Um, you know, we even had a clip, uh, I believe it was Clampett's team, I uh, had a bit of a discussion, and he actually disagreed with the call to pit, if I remember correctly. So there was a lot of back and forth. We saw um, at many points teams not stay together on strategy. They kind of divided and conquered and, and put their drivers on different strategies to kind of cover all bases. So uh, it was messy, uh, but at least for me having the headset on instead of being in the booth, it was interesting to to listen into how diverse the strategy was. And at that point, there really wasn't any right call. When the race opened up in the second half, the strategy became a little bit more clear. But in that opening bit, you're, you're just kind of hoping that, you know, luck of the draw, you end up on the right cycle. And, you know, finally, when the race will go green is the time when you're on the fresh tires. And at that point, there was really no way to predict when that was going to happen. Yeah. It was up front at this point, it was Luza and Steven Wilson. And those guys were probably the fastest cars all night. And they were leading laps at that point. Uh, then caution lap 33, maybe like a 13 lap run later. Uh, Ray Alfala, heavy damage after a nudge from Corey Vincent. Alfala saw it on the wheel. looked like he almost had saved it, but it went dead right into the wall hard. He was uh, one of those guys with tires carving his way through the field, too. Uh, I think he was making more progress than anyone. But at this point, everybody pits. And that was kind of the point where you thought that maybe this race was going to change, right? Where 
once you know it doesn't matter if a guy has had been down pit road once or twice or, or three times to that point and a lot of people of course you know you talk about the the incidents that were involved in a lot of cars not a lot of cars were destroyed uh, but a lot of cars had some semblance of damage you know i think we had 35 or so cars make it to the end of the race so a lot of drivers were using the pit stops to that point to just get things fixed up but of course the varying strategies but this was kind of the opportunity when you got you had the guys up front the loser and wilson and whatnot who kind of established that an equal playing field going forward it wasn't well this guy's leading because those guys are off cycle or, or vice versa i think it was kind of the the common ground and, and really an opportunity to reset the race strategy yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, up front it was Clampett, Novak, Guest, Luza, Crowder, Wilson, Busa, Kerwin, Shearburn. Uh, lead change, lap 39, it, Stephen Wilson outside Clampett brings Luza with him. Um, th- that Those top five had stayed out while everyone else had fitted. A, f- a few laps later, a caution, lap 43, it was Maines and Duval involved. It was four wide, and they got slammed into the wall hard, the guy on the outside. Um, it was Duval, Maines, Gann, Corey Vincent. They got the worst of it. Um, that was pretty big. There was a lot of frustration, I think, because, you know, just because you can go four wide, five wide, especially on the restarts, which which a lot of drivers had warned you know, on Twitter and social and stuff before the race saying, you know, these restarts are going to be crazy and surviving those is, is going to be key for us to have a good race and, and to stay in this one. And just because you can do the four and five wide doesn't necessarily mean you should. The problem is if a driver tries to take it easy and be a little bit more strategic, yeah, I'm not going to do this right now. Somebody else behind them is going to do it right. They're going to go backwards. So there was a lot of frustration as well uh, with what a lot of drivers I heard describe as, as people just kind of driving over their head for you know, not even halfway into the race. Yeah, and then at this point, going green for just a bit now at the halfway point, it was Wilson, Kerwin, Luza up front, and then Stephen Wilson has led 15 of the 53 uh, laps. Uh, Ryan Luza had led 21. And then caution, this lap 67, it was Isaac Gann in trouble. Uh, Two wide trying to get by Ray Alfala, who was just out there uh, just putting out laps on his damaged car. And they ended up bouncing off each other really hard, actually. Yeah, that was just a, a tough break. I don't know if I know Ray complained that he got squeezed a little bit. I don't know if, you know, with the damaged car, uh, you know, toe could be out a little bit and it could be difficult to drive it. And I think Ray ended up kind of catching the fence and, and coming down and tagging him. And, you know, that was that was the reality for a lot of drivers. Just because I say 30 some odd drivers finished the race doesn't mean all of them were in. A good spot right I'm, I'm sure a good dozen of those drivers had some damage some guys got parked because they got damaged and weren't able to meet minimum speed some drivers did a whole engine swap and and kind of got back into things um you know that's that's a reality where those those damaged cars have to try to do their best to get out of the way and you know ray ray's not normally he you would expect uh to be in that situation or to make a mistake Yep, and then up front, the restart, it was Busa who stayed out, but behind Stephen Wilson, Luza, Kane Cook, Casey Kerwin, Shearburn, Lyon, Malik Ray, Hurst, and Justice uh, running up there in the top 10. Um, it was a few laps of green, and Luza fighting Wilson for the lead. They were side-by-side for many laps in a row. It was absolutely great racing. And then somehow, someway, Shearburn got it up there and made it three wide for the lead. And this ended up being really the replay of the race, I thought. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, 
this this package and this race had its moments and, and that was certainly exciting stuff up front because you had Luza, who who I had picked kind of as the favorite the whole time, just being so good at Vegas historically, winning, you know, so many in a row, three I think in a row at one point. Uh, for so long and you know Stephen Wilson you mentioned was up there and, and I just thought it was a good race right um, because at that point the leaders had gotten a little bit of space so they could go at it you know and it was it ended up being a great night for the exit guys because Luza and Kerwin both end up with top threes you know in the end and um, I thought it was good stuff and, and clean which when you get three wide up front it's normally only three cars right if you're three wide for 20th that means you're probably actually three wide four rows deep and it's a little bit more chaotic but uh, those guys were able to go hard and they kept it clean so i think that's that's you know the big takeaway there is uh they can race and and they can push each other just a little bit put themselves in uncomfortable positions and, and keep it on track and and i'll agree with you that i think that that was you know aside from when we get to the second half of the race where it kind of went from restarts and chaos and those you know exciting three wide moments even all the way up for the race lead the second half of the race was a little bit more strategy based um but i definitely think that was a highlight for sure Yep. Uh, penalty fail- failure to meet minimum speed. Uh, we've seen this again. Uh, Duval later in the race, Duchette got it as well. But um, it took a while, but Ryan Lusa finally prevailed on the that three wide battle on the high side around Stephen Wilson for the lead on lap 83. And then after that, it kind of shook out to be single file. And it was Lusa, Wilson, Kerwin, Cook, Ray, Lyon, Sherburn, Hurst, Olat. Um, and then all of a sudden, Duchette, uh, who I mentioned a minute ago, spins himself off of Derek's justice nose. But there was no caution on that one. Uh, Luza and Kerwin uh, pit under green with 30 to, 32 to go. And then Wilson pits. And then Malik Ray takes the lead. Now, this was interesting because he was like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to stay out. And and uh, we you caught some of that audio, Evan, uh, of him uh, trying to tell his team, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. And then. It ended up not working out. They, they tried to be positive about it, right? Um, I'm thinking that for, for the majority of that run, they knew that they were going to be short, right? Because it ended up being four or five laps short in the end. And, you know, you can probably be able to do the math on that, um, you know, well well outside of the window. But certainly they, they were trying to save. Um, you know, you can try to draft a little bit and, and help just a tad. But um, I think probably with 30 laps on the board 25 maybe 20 at that point they had kind of known it wasn't going to work but at least to the outside eye and and on the broadcast and everybody watching right try to make a great charge and go to the old way to the end of the race there were several drivers who tried it malik was kind of the at the forefront of that strategy and and i'm always you know i don't i, I know some people don't always like races that go green and through green flag pit cycles and stuff. But I love watching that kind of strategy. And, uh, you know, for somebody like Malik, who who doesn't really get anything out of the race at the end, because he finished exactly where he started, right? Started 31st and finished 31st. So it's kind of a zero sim game. If you're a 30th placed car, why not go for it? Right. So, so I thought the call was gutsy. Yeah. So behind Malik, uh, was Witt, uh, Matheson, uh, Novak, Bose, Luza, about 10 seconds back with 10 to go was Luza coming hard. And uh, when we get to six to go, Malik Ray suddenly is slow and Matheson takes the lead briefly. Uh, must be nice for the rookie to get some uh, some laps, but uh, leading laps. But then he ends up pitting with Novak. Uh, Witt takes the lead uh, shortly, but Luza's coming. And uh, finally, when Witt pits, uh, Luza takes that lead for the final time. Uh, Wilson ends up second, Kerwin third, and uh, and Luza gets it done. Man, that's the 
fourth time in five years or something he's won? Yeah, because he, he had three in a row. Last year, he didn't win it. He wins this one. So four in five years is uh, pretty dang good for Ryan. And, of course, for, for him to get back in victory lane this early in the year as well as, you know, bodes well and is a good sign for him to to have another three-win season, which has been kind of the norm for him the last four years or whatever. But it's it's big win for Lewis. Not shocked um, to finish that story that I alluded to earlier. Um, you know, lose uh, – when I was talking with uh, our, our countdown to green guys – uh, before the race started, I said, good job, guys, but you'll pick the wrong pick. Lewis is going to win, and, and they laughed at me in turns that I was right for once. So I made fun of them a little bit on Twitter. But I was really impressed. I mentioned it that the Xset guys, of course, Ryan and Casey, both get a top three, so that's pretty big. Roush had two cars in the top five, right, with, with Stephen Wilson in second spot and, and Nathan Lyon in fifth. Uh, it was great to see Femi Olad up there in P6. You had a guy like a Brian Schoenberg and, and Taylor Hurst, ninth and tenth. So a lot of the big names outside of the top 10 aside from you know lose uh, Kerwin and, and Nathan Lyon I think would would I I would count as a big name you got Kane Cook in there for Jim Beaver Esports great showing for those guys um Kane started 19th went up to fourth so there's a lot of good storylines outside of the top spot uh it was really an impressive top 10 I'd say a lot of good uh, drivers that are going to try to build on this and uh, you know, maybe try to transition what was not a great 2020 for some of those names, um, you know, into a better time around this time. Uh, good speed early. Um, you will see how that translates as, you know, we get deeper into the year. Yeah, no surprise, Lusa wins. Um, he was quick all day and uh, was definitely the car to beat. Um, so let's talk what what's up for the next race. Uh, what do you expect? Uh, what's coming up? Well, Atlanta's always uh, fast, right? That's kind of the uh, the name of the game and you know, kind of funny that the way the schedule works, the fact that we had, you know, Homestead earlier, um, which is, you know, kind of weird. And, and technically it's three straight intermediate tracks in a row. I haven't been able to really pinpoint one team that's been better than the others on the intermediates. Obviously Leahy and, and um, you know, the, the whole 2311 racing team, him and DeYoung, they've been qualifying well. They qualified good at Homestead, qualified good at Vegas. I would expect them to qualify good at Atlanta. Atlanta kind of ties more in, though, guys, with Texas. And that's kind of an interesting point because we could learn a little bit here. Granted, October is a long ways away. There's going to be builds. There's going to be changes, you know, R&D and all that. But uh, this could be one of your best previews um, for the season finale set at Texas. So that's kind of an afterthought I have in the back of my mind uh, going into round four. Okay, and we're on a two-week cycle now, right? Yeah, it's weird. So we had we had two in a row uh, with Homestead and, and Vegas, and, and I think for a little bit it's going to be back uh, to regularly scheduled programming because we've got a week off in Atlanta, uh, a week off in Auto Club, which is funny because it ends up being, I think, the only track on the schedule that's not uh, on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule, uh, you know, and then a week off in Richmond. So we don't have back-to-backs until we get to June, I believe, um, and then Pocono – and Road America are going to be back-to-back, and then there's a lot more back-to-backs later this year. So uh, two weeks in a row was a, a bit of an anomaly. We'll, we'll have some more time off going forwards, and uh, there's a lot of you know fun stuff coming up. I know it's a long ways away, but I can't wait to get to Coda, uh, you know, May 18th for round eight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so there's uh, a lot of good stuff to look forward to this year. Okay, and then real quick, what do you expect tonight when you do the Road to Pro? What are you going to see there tonight? 
Well, I'm excited to be, first off to get to call a race at Vegas because it's my home track. So I was kind of disappointed I wasn't able to do it um, on Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a totally different uh, format this year, of course, with the snake splits and the rebranded and all that. There's going to be a lot of people involved. Um, I'll be with Podium Esports for the top split. I know STN Racing is going to be covering the second split. So uh, there's plenty of, of action for everybody to tune into and enjoy. And, uh, you know, the trucks is, is the big thing, right? It's going to be a very – if you watched Tuesday night, that race is not at all what you're going to see tonight, right? These trucks drive so differently um, than the cup cars. I argue that the, the trucks are probably my favorite of the top three. Um, and you're going to see a lot of hungry guys. It makes veterans. It makes the guys coming up through. That's always the storyline that we talk about on Tuesdays. I'm excited uh, to be a part of uh, what I'll, I'll call, you know, the the start of the road to $300,000 um, with this qualifier series. Yeah, I don't know whether to watch it or race it, but we'll do one of the two. So, Evan, nope, nobody wants me driving in, in it, so that's why <laughs> the choice is easy for me, at least. Easy choice, right? Okay. Hey, thank you for coming in. Uh, we do appreciate you talking to us about the Coke race, and uh, hey, we'll catch you on the next one. Absolutely, guys. Take care. to topics brian tell us about the porsche super cup yeah guys so saturday was round five the halfway mark of the porsche uh tag hoyer super cup series and that was at montreal and uh taking the win is none other than no other than uh mitchell de jong of uh, the coke series that we were just talking about that's his actually his first ever win in the porsche tag hoyer uh series that he's ever had so uh congratulations to mitchell um uh i know that uh <clears throat> joshua rogers actually won the sprint race in the first part of that series so um and josh rogers finished seventh in the actual main race but still, even with that, he's got a commanding lead, 409 points over second place of Mitchell DeJong at uh, 322. That's an 87-point uh, lead for Josh Rogers. And just to give you an idea, I think you can only get 85 if you sweep the whole series. So he could take off a week, and Mitchell DeJong could win everything, and he'd still be in the lead. So it's crazy. Uh, still just a, a great great lead for Josh Rogers. Um, he's, he's just been awesome this year. And um, just to give you an idea, uh, Sebastian Job, who is in fourth in the points is at 257 points. So he's like a hundred, almost two weeks of points down from Josh Rogers, man. So uh, it's Josh's uh, series to lose at this point. If he stays nearly as consistent as he has uh, up to this point, uh, there's just no stopping him. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to win this championship walking away. And uh, you know, that'll be a second in three years. I just think it's so cool that Mitchell is uh, a Coke driver and he's a Porsche driver, you know, and to be at the top of, both oval and road um you know the premium series you know that that really says something and uh i, I i'm very impressed yeah that's it's gotta put him up there as one of the best overall drivers in the sim 
You know, I, I, we could talk about Bobby Zielinski. He was a Porsche driver last year, wasn't he, right? Yeah. Um, so he's been in this series too. So he's at the top. And, you, of course, he's at the top of the Coke series as well. So, uh, yeah, just those guys are just on another level when it comes to being able to do multiple disciplines in iRacing. It's the day job. Okay, Greg, and then we had the all-star race. Yeah, so um, I, I guess this uh, – Emily Jones uh, keeps taking those sprint victories, doesn't she? There, Brian, for this uh, for the Tag Heuer Esports Cup, right? She's quick, yeah. She's uh, yeah. I, I've, I've been following her. Uh, she does multiple things, multiple sims and stuff as well. She's not just in iRacing, so she's spreading her uh, her wings out there and uh, definitely uh, getting the job done. And I guess uh, was it Lawrence uh, Van Thorn wins the feature uh, for the pro. Uh, all-star race there so at montreal it looks like it was a, a decent race I, I never got a chance to catch it did you brian i watched the uh porsche um the the main race but i didn't watch the all-star race i just caught the end of it and uh yeah montreal is a tricky track i didn't re- never realized i don't have that track uh myself and i didn't realize how 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 interesting and technical that track can be and it really really um really had some serious accidents in that race where cars were just being flying in the air like you'd see it like almost at restricted plate races in stock cars i mean it was pretty intense well the wall of champions will swallow people up well and it's it's got that such a long straightaway right like and these cars don't make a ton of horsepower so you kind of got to get them wind wound up and get down that back or that last straight but the curbs are really high too for them. When they, when you bounce off the curbs, it, it upsets these Porsche cars with the uh, the rear mounted engine. So it you're, you're all over the place, and it's they're that those two Porsche cars. When I was trying to qualify for the Canadian Pro thing, it uh, Pro thing, they're really really hard to drive, and I didn't realize how how hard they were to drive until uh, trying for that that series. Yeah, those, those curves are huge, and in a couple of the chicanes, they were really bouncing high <laughs> coming across those. They call them sausages, but it's it's like the turtles at at Daytona, really. Well, how about the uh, twelve hours of Sebring coming up? Uh, I guess this thing is uh, powered by VCO, and that's happening on March twenty sixth to twenty eighth. A uh, quick little rundown. I get a license. You need a D license uh, with a 4.0 safety rating. And uh, what else can I tell you about it? They got the uh, stop and go limit at set at 50 incidences. And then every 20 after that, uh, field size will be uh, 55. And this, the race uh, cars, uh, LMP2, the Delara P217 GT uh, BMW M8 the Chevrolet Corvette Ferrari Porsche 911 and for the GT3s uh, BMW M4 and the Lamborghini and uh, events specific balance of power will be announced uh, they say roughly a week before the event it's basically the IMSA car field Yep, and they'll uh, they'll they're running there this week actually at IMSA, so I'm sure they're gonna get a lot of good data to decide which car has a little bit too much of an advantage in the GT field. Wasn't the Corvette? 
I think if I remember correctly, the Corvette was always pretty strong there. I don't know. I never liked swapping cars because the I just I was so familiar with the Ferrari that I'm I'm faster in it. Period, compared to the other cars for me personally. Are we running it? Uh, looks like Richie's down for running it, so we should be able to. Probably the LMP. LMP2. Check Discord. Yeah, he wants to run the LMP two. I like the Ferrari, but uh, if, if if Richie says LMP two, we'll go LMP two. Sounds good to me. You don't you don't pass up a chance to race with an Indy car driver. So you're talking about Richie Hearn, and he's he's building the set too, right? He'll definitely work on it for sure. Yeah, we uh, we raced with him this past weekend too. Well, I don't know if considered racing it, but yeah, that's just Bathurst. There was a car stopped at the top of the hill, nowhere to go. But uh, it'll be a fun event. Well, I'm, I will feel comfortable starting this one. I was terrible at Bathurst, even though I finally figured out part of what I was doing wrong was was a wheel setting thing but here at uh sebring i'll start this one this is one of my favorite tracks period um speaking of tracks uh that kind of leads into the next question this was actually a couple of episodes ago actually so i was kind of surprised to see this pop back up on the feed but uh junior honey's podcast has an ask ask dale segment and they asked if there are going to be any more nascar stock cars from the classic era um and he said he said basically no that and they are concentrating on the tracks outside of the u.s right now um and you know my opinion on this is well how well are the 87 cars doing everybody was really excited about them but then they just have not really remained that popular right right it's it's it'll fill a niche just like the like the eighty seven or not the eighty seven the the seventy nine Lotus and the forty nine Lotus for people who who it'll fill a niche but those series are just never as big as the modern cars. Just look at the the eighty seven has dropped off substantially since it came in participation wise, right? There's a core group of a couple hundred that run it, but you know, it, I mean, the core group keeps those things going, but it's. It is, uh, I mean, it's an awesome car to run, and those old cars are really fun to get around the track in. But you know, they're still we're still mainlining with the big events, right? It's the big, the big cars that people are attracted to. All right, this next one is a parody video. Virtual Paddock posted a comedic YouTube video song parody of "Losing My Religion" by REM, and it's now called "Losing My Position," and it's a uh, pretty funny. A little video. It's it's very uh, sim racing sim racing centric. You know uh, the lyrics are changed to talk about his rig is bigger than yours, and I have a direct drive, and you don't, and stuff like that. What do you think, uh, Brian? You're a REM fan, I'm sure. <laughs> I did like uh, I did like his video. That's for sure. It was it was funny. He had some really fun line, funny lines in it. And anybody who's a simulate racer can probably uh, can probably uh, sympathize with some of the stuff he goes through in the in the video song, saying that he braked too late and he's crashing. It, it was pretty cool. I think I'm gonna Very rage creative. quit and quite cry. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. I is think that I'm going to rage quit and cry. Yeah. Is that R factor he's using? Yes. I didn't notice. It's either yeah, R, it, it looked like R factor. We got some merch. Yeah, guys. Um, so uh, the iRacing shop is, uh, they're sporting a new uh, 
classic pullover hoodie uh, with what they call a licensing, licensing ladder style design. So uh, the back of this hoodie has uh, these arrows. You know, it's got the iRacing logo at the bottom and these progressive arrows from bottom to top going from red to orange to yellow, green, blue, and white, indicating all the different uh, license progressions that you go through as an iRacer. So, you know, you got your red rookie at the bottom, then your class D, C, B, A, and uh, I guess the white would be pro. Um, since it's hard to do black on black, I guess. Now, this yeah, is think, a little uh, different than their regular store they've had in the past. This is a second storefront. So the one in the past is a second link, uh, r-rracewear.com. This is a, a, a different link. Uh, it's creatorspring.com. And they have a, a few different offerings besides the, the shirt that Brian just indicated. Uh, they have several iRacing logo ones. I think the niche on this is the logo is off-centered, is it? or maybe I'm just seeing things, but it looks like they have the logo across the front of the T-shirt, but off-centered a little bit, or uh, twisted. It's tilted. Tilted, yeah, it's right, tilted. And there's one that says top split. They have socks and even have an iPhone case for David. Take it, take it easy into turn one, boys. You want me to buy up all the iPhone cases and burn them? Is that what what the idea is? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that's 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 a little much. So we got I links race- to both storefronts on our website on the show notes. So those are the iRacing socks for all the streamers. <laughs> exactly. So that uh, that ladder hoodie that we opened up with is running at thirty six ninety nine, which really isn't that bad a price. Yep. I don't know if I like that that particular one. I like the one with the logo, so uh, and the socks for sure. Those better be some really good freaking socks. Sixteen like, bucks. Uh, Twenty dollars for me. Dang. Yeah. What's that Canadian? Oh no, that's that's twenty dollars Canadian. I ain't. I don't think I've ever paid twenty dollars for a pair of socks though. Twelve hours of Bathurst. What happened? Well, our, we'll talk about our race later, but there was a couple of servers that actually went down and caused everybody to lose their their event. Essentially, they, they investigated what was happening and discovered that, that it was a power issue. And essentially, what they have in their data center is every system and, and the backups that the UPS backups that they run has two lines coming in from two different power sources. So they actually pay, they have two different companies providing power. And at one point, one of the companies was doing a, a maintenance switch down and that usually their other line is supposed to be able to carry that line. But in their wiring, essentially a couple of the machines only had one source connected instead of both sources. So when they lost, when the, that source shut down for some, maintenance uh the backup wasn't able to supply power just the wiring was plugged into the wrong hole kind of thing um basically but did, it's did interesting they found it did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in does that like work here you know when you wire that stuff up you'd think they do some kind of test to make sure it's all correct but um this tested it for sure yeah that's is um actually refreshingly um Refresh, refreshingly honest with their uh, their uh, their uh, assessment of what happened here because it's oh, like yeah this human is, we, we didn't plug something in yeah 
Well, I don't, and I don't know if refreshingly is is the right word necessarily. The IRS didn't really ever lie about their screw ups. They just come come right out That's and true. say it. They've always been good with that. Right. Well, I mean, in general, general life. Maybe compared to some other software providers, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, iRacing uh, for credit. When when whenever they have these kind of issues, like they did before the twenty four hours of Daytona, they've been very upfront and open about what happened and where the problems were. I know that doesn't, you know, some people still want to, you know, bring their pitchforks and uh, and torches to the to the uh, Boston to figure this out. But you know, they're pretty honest at least and give you the straight dope about what happens. We also have some stats from the race, Greg. Yeah, I was looking here to see if I could find um our split that we were in i don't know which one we were in there we were in the last time slot weren't we dude yeah we ran the the 1600 gmt i think was what it was yeah i can't find anything for us in it but um easily but i guess it's just a good way to check out um driver stats everyone that participated in each split um total laps they did things like that uh and you know just get a, a base of it. it's kind of an interesting obviously somebody's built this software to take all the data from the site or something like that to enter it all in yeah they've been doing this for a while if you hit the logo at the top you can see all the different events they've done um including this year's daytona 24. but yeah basically it's just a website uh, races.tfrlab.org and they basically published every split and then what the finishing order was of that split and a nice, easy to read format, basically. I found our MTech results, David. They track MTech? Yeah, there's MTech and everything in there. Yeah, well, that was uh, a pretty guys, neat website. Um, Rob Crouch also did a uh, his extensive uh, stats uh, for the Bath- Bathurst uh, 12 hours. and. Uh, yeah, he breaks it down from year to year, just to give you a, an idea of the participation. Uh, this year, they had 2,901 teams, so 2,901 teams, 7,715 individual drivers. So um, just to give you an idea, last year was uh, just le- uh, almost half of that, around 3,500. Um, the year before that was about 2,500. So they wow. really took a big jump from you know 3,500 teams uh, uh, drivers last year to 7,700 this year. That is a big, big jump. You know what's interesting, David? I thought that the, the top split strength of field would be higher, but I'm guessing because they do it the way they do it teams now, it's it's not as high. But you know, 3,300 is still nothing to scoff at, right? Well, I don't know if the um, first for one thing, the, especially in this, there was a fifty-five car field. It wasn't multi-class, so that was fifty-five cars all in the same class. Uh, and yeah, you got your teams controlling, so you got your average I rating, not not just uh, your your six thousand I rating guy setting the field strength of field as well. Uh, also, just not as not necessarily as popular of a race as some of the others. But I think probably the biggest difference maker was there is that uh, it's not like just the 20 GTEs in the field. It's There's 50 of them per split. So if you're uh, curious as to what the most common car was, the, it was actually the Ferrari 488 T3. Um, 
with uh, 1,107 teams drove the Ferrari. Next yeah. closest was that. The um, I think the Ferrari was one of the ones that did not get nerfed in the BOP, so that actually kind of had some people probably affected some people flocking to it. It also is the GT Challenge car too that people race a lot too, right? Yeah, and I actually don't own it, but if it handles like the the, the GTE version does, it's just it's just a forgiving car uh, that that you can swing around. So uh, the total laps uh, of everyone who drove came to 570,368 laps, you know, in all the drivers. That's, a, you know, over half a million laps <laughs> in a 12-hour period. That's crazy. And uh, one note I saw on the forums on this page, it said Max Verstappen's pole time is insane. It was four-tenths clear of the full field of aliens behind him. Four tenths. He's just ridiculous in general, though. Like he's probably, he, I think he sets lap records at every track that he goes that he competes in, real or otherwise, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I can't wait to see him race this year. Who else do we want to see racing? Foss Pasta. Yeah, Lockdown Racing welcomed Anthony Alfredo for their Homestead race, and uh, he was doing that to kind of prepare himself for his own Homestead race. He's, yeah, he's got the full uh, full stream up there available for anyone to to check out and and watch. Uh, pretty vocal guy, pretty interesting to watch. I caught a few minutes of it. He does have a Discord community as well. Oh yeah, ended up getting in there, getting in on there when uh, we were following them in the Daytona race the whole time, watching their streams. Yeah, they're basically doing practice racing and. Um... You know, he's with Lockdown, which is a, one of the big Coke teams. And basically, they're just, you know, getting him involved. And he's running with them, trying to learn and get ready for his homestead race. How did he do it, by the way? I don't think he, he was up front. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just checking here. It looks like he's finished 13th. That's not bad. Okay, I got the next one. Dynamic Track Displeasure. There's another thread in the iRacing forums regarding the dynamic track situation and the lack of multiple line racing. Sean Powell's post in the forums illustrates his frustration. Uh, but a lot of people uh, talking about this. Um, there was a video this week also from a guy named Real Radman. Uh, I watched his video. Uh, he basically... It's him driving around complaining about version 7 tires and the dynamic track. Um, he had been off the service for a while. He came back and, and told us what he thinks, basically. Uh, and then we actually had a response from iRacing I, I about it. Uh, Brian, tell us about that. Yeah, this came in the form of uh, Tyler Hudson. He actually uh, posted something in the th in that thread that where they were discussing dynamic tra track condition. And he, uh, he, he says, first of all, he puts out there right away that he doesn't take these comments as like hate comments that people are just uh, uh, kind of just out there just spewing hate. He, they take them serious. They, he says that they, they want multi-groove racing as much as anybody. Uh, so they understand the position that everybody's in and why they, uh, why they're, uh, why they have this opinion. But uh, so he, while he can't, 
it can't respond to every thread that's out there just because there's so much stuff about this. You know, they're, they're diligently working to find a solution, and they think that they're getting close. In his words, I think he says, I think we're getting, we're finally getting very close. He says that with a little bit of hesitation because he doesn't want to, you know, put any time frames out. But uh, so uh, he thinks that, uh, you know, something's in the way, you know, coming up close, but uh, he doesn't have anything to announce at this point. It, it's good that they uh, that he, they can respond occasionally. Of course, they can't catch every one of these threads. On the same token, though, uh, everybody should has feel, should feel free to keep chirping about it. Uh, and as far as if them not considering it hate threads, nobody that's posting any complaint usually in iRacing is doing it because they hate iRacing. They're doing it because they love iRacing, except for that one thing, right? Maybe it's time to hear from Dave Kamer. You know, what's he been doing for the last two years? You know, um, <laughs> this, what a, you know, his long form articles where he posts up, you know, a page and a half of, you know, paragraphs and and you kind of get lost about halfway through it. But, yeah, I'd like to see that again. We really haven't heard from him in a long while, have we? Right. Well, when was this, uh, what are you working on? Yeah, when was the version seven tire release? It's, it's over a year now, right? Oh, oh I want to like say two, two years now. Jeez. Well, I'm sure he. Uh, everything that I've read about Dave is, you know, he 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 uh, lives and breathes these tires. You know, everything from you know his desk has just tires on it and cut open and all kinds of different things. So, and I'm sure these uh, these tire uh, programs that he that they that they write are not anything simple you know it's got to be super complex so i'm sure he's probably working on the next version and just taking his time to get it as best he can be my guess and uh on twitter bna broadcasting they got in on the the fun and actually changed their icon to the iRacing logo so it made it look like it was iRacing kind of tweeting this and it says we are proud to announce the return of dynamic track in the March 2021 build read more here and they put up a link and uh, with a screenshot and for and unless you kind of paid attention you thought it was iRacing putting it up and uh, yeah they're just trolling everybody yeah it was a troll uh, if you like it it doesn't have anything about iRacing on it <laughs> It was definitely a troll. Might even uh, I was never mind. I was going to try to make a some kind of anomaly transition, and I epically failed at it. So I'll just jump right in and talk about the Car Anomaly 500. Uh, first thing we have is a tweet where they announced that they gave Kyle Busch a provisional to run in it. Um, he is basically one of the all-time wins leader uh, in NASCAR, and he's getting he's definitely found his way around iRacing now. So we talked about this on the thread a little bit, guys, this week. What do you guys think about, you know, giving a provisional to somebody like a Kyle Busch to a race that, you know, is a money race that people buy into, that um, the, people had to race their way in and all this stuff just to be able to get into the big event. And then Kyle just gets to skip all that and go straight to the front. I mean, is it fair? He's he's busted his ass to get in to where he is in i race in real racing so he's he's put in his time uh he's one of the stars so yeah it's fair the same thing would be done for dell for junior you know if you're one of the big guys yeah you're you're gonna get you're gonna get to jump the line dale, dale had a provisional in the uh, coke series for 
many years where he only raced every once in a while and he would just be able to come in and race the Coke series with the guys at any point when it first started. Yeah, as, as many eyes as you can get on these events, you know, the better it is for everybody. You know, you know, the more eyes they have on these broadcasts, the more sponsorship money they can get, the higher the purse goes for everyone. So I don't have a problem with it at all. And um, and it's not like Kyle Busch has not been putting his time in in iRacing. This dude's been doing a lot of iRacing over the past year, ever since uh, the lockdown started. So um, he's really gotten into it and has embraced the braced eye racing so uh, i don't have a problem at all with him being in it and although if he won i i don't know if if i was him if i would uh, take the money for myself <laughs> well he could put charity. it towards his he could either give it to charity or put it into his race team right yeah um, or his kids race team <laughs> but he didn't win because jimmy mullins won the uh esports driver for richmond Wasteway. Yeah, what a race. I got to watch uh, a good part of this uh, yesterday. Of course, watching Kyle, you know, he had a damaged car, but he he's still hanging with those guys. And at the end, he was just like right behind the pa- the lead pack. And even with the damaged car, I mean, Kyle Busch is, yeah, pretty amazing to watch. But uh, it was fun to watch him. What was neat about the broadcast, it was unique. As whoever was talking as far as the broadcast team, they had him on camera. So you were looking at Landon's face. You're looking at Parker Kligerman, David Childhouse. Um, they also had the pit reporter girl. I forget her name. But every time they would come on, they you would see their face, which was unique because, you, you know, you'd see the broadcast team talking like a talking head kind of thing. So I, I thought that was kind of unique. They put up little questions to the audience as they went through the race where you could, uh, uh, you know, put in the comments what you thought. And it was kind of interactive. And I really enjoyed the broadcast. I thought it was good. The racing was amazing. And at the end, there was a huge pileup, uh, the big one, uh, you know, right right as they were coming to the line. And, uh, yeah, Jimmy Mullis was there. Now, Nick Morse, who's a friend of our of the podcast, uh, I've talked to Nick a few different times. He was leading late in this race, and they had a late caution. Everyone pitted but Nick, and he was left out there like a sitting duck. And I'm like, I felt so bad for Nick. But he, he hung in there. I think he ended up third after all was said and done. Uh, but uh, what a run for him, too, to be running up there with the Coke guys and, and Kyle Bush and different people. Okay, so season two is coming with the new build. Uh, Greg, we're starting to get incoming teasers. Okay, so before I talk about this, um, we were talking about the uh, tire model or the tire model. Um, I found. Uh, our podcast covered it in November 29th of 2019. So that's when version 7 start, came out. That's a year and a half. Two, two and a half. So Basically right after NIS. Pretty much. Um, with that, we'll talk about Season 2 build here. Uh, iRacing posted a picture of the F1 car going around what appears to be a track and looks like the speculation is showing that uh, Hockenheim is uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hockenheim is uh, ready and ready, ready to go for season two. Or the Hungara ring. I just got a good idea for a new segment. We need it. We need to have a, 
the uh, guest two weeks ago over in the aftermath do our do pronunciation guides for us. There you go. So uh, what was the spec? What, what I think Tom Dryling uh, told us right away who it was. I don't remember what he said though. He probably recognizes the stands. Yeah, and then Patrick Elmer on the Twitter he said it's Hockenheim. Yeah, that's what I think it is. I think it's Hockenheim from the way it looks there because they have a a bowls like a a grandstand section like that at Hockenheim. Just a picture, no, just a tease. We don't have a link to it, but there was also a tease today to Five Flags Speedway. They showed the the wall with the logo across it, so that's coming as well. And I tried to win this VRS wheel. Yeah, about you. Yeah, I sure did. I signed up. I love free stuff. Uh, VRS is uh, doing a giveaway contest. Uh, it's it's on now. It, it started March first, ends on the twenty fourth, and. Uh, the grand prize is the VRS Direct Force Pro uh, wheelbase. Uh, they do have a bunch of other um, prizes are given away as well, but uh, yeah, you gotta go uh, visit VRS, and um, it's pretty easy. Sign up, just throw your name down, throw an email down, uh, follow all their stuff. Each one of those things, you know, gives you a couple of different entries into the into the contest pretty simple stuff um i just did the one entry just the name and email i don't like to get into that other crap oh follow this account and retweet this and that nah (laughs) actually mike it's pretty simple i mean it's like you know subscribe to them on youtube uh subscribe to them on on facebook and uh you know follow them on twitch and then i you know if you subscribe um you know, you get a few extra entries that way too. I'm not doing that because I'm cheap. Um, but hey, yeah, you you can't win if you don't play along. So you know what the heck? This is about the only way I'll get a direct drive wheel. So I threw my name in a hat. See what happens. But yeah, that's fun. That's uh, uh, virtualracingschool.com backslash vrs dash df pro dash giveaway. That's where you find it. You mean if you want it, uh, your your wife wouldn't take it from you for her rig? Oh damn! Um, <laughs> and she listens to this too, so <laughs> I can't even tell be like, "Well, I just her. won't tell her." <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Yeah, thanks. Next is uh, Camping World CEO Marcus Lemonis is offering a one hundred dollar merchandise certificate. To anyone who runs his paint in iRacing this week. So this started in NASCAR with the truck series where he basically offered to anybody who needed a sponsor, I'll sponsor you if you put the paint on the truck this week. And so that has transitioned into the virtual world because Marcus twittered up his offer of the $100 merchandise certificate uh, to anyone who runs that paint scheme. So all you have to do is uh, run the paint scheme, uh, the Camping World uh, paint scheme on the truck, uh, post it on the Twitter, tag him, and we will DM your post the scheme using hashtag Camping World iRacing. And then from there, they he said that uh, if you post your paint scheme, I'll award a brand new Camping World RV 
to the one that I like the most. You must use the hashtag to qualify and follow Camping World. That's pretty sick. That's a that's a good offer just for painting something too, right? All you have yeah, to do it, is run one race and just put a screenshot on the Twitter, basically. It is very clever because they're not they're not actually really forking out money as much as they're forking out inventory, right? And no telling how much better off they end up that way tax wise. Well, how many hundred dollars will he give away, you know, um, in merchandise certificates? But then, I mean, how much how much is the RV? You know, that's sixty thousand, seventy thousand, something. It's actually a pretty big deal. That's not a bad bad deal at all there. So the next item isn't that big of a deal. Just got a few little updates for the UI or the user interface. Uh, it deployed without having to have any downtime. They made some changes for the registration uh, table view where they expanded, expanded the minimum license level column for you. Fixed some things with the test drive where all the fields are pre-filled if you choose to the test drive from an, an existing event, but you can change those settings if you want. So you can, if you want to test a session the same way a, a event is running, but you want to go ahead and start it an hour later or something, you can do that. Uh, fix an issue for heat racing. A couple things with hosted racing and spotting. Just a little, a lot of little small uh, fixes. I still don't use it. I'm on the <laughs> website still. <laughs> if you uh, if you ran more like team events, you'd have to. Yeah, if the, all of the major events right now we have to we have to use the interface. It, if you try to I, enter through the website, it just fails to register. I think it works perfectly fine for what that part of it. I've I've never had any issue with the team stuff. It's easy to find stuff for the teams too. Yeah, it has its it has its advantages and its disadvantages. I still like being able to when I want to run my NIS race, I have a link that goes straight to the sessions page. I don't have to click anything else. Yeah, it's a lot easier that way. I've moved exclusively using the UI. I don't even use the I only use the website now as an easy way to get to the uh, to get to the forums when I need to. That way, I just don't have to boot it all up. But because um, I know it's coming, so I might as well just start using it, get used to it. And uh, I don't find it all that bad. I mean, I don't go do a lot of digging like a lot of you guys do. But, uh, you know, for my purposes, you know, go race, um, you know, NIS or league racing or whatever. I find it, you know, pretty simple now to, to use. That would just be a pretty good um, little thing. That if they could add one-click options that you can customize, I'd, I'd, I'd be probably sold but that the fact that that's still missing makes me not want to do it because like i said i'm ready to race my specific division or my specific series without having to click five times that's what i say at work all the time is you're adding more clicks and you're saying it's better but the less clicks it is the better it is we we, we learned last week didn't we that uh the ui is going to be getting the overhaul coming up pretty soon by the end of the year right well, that's actually the in-game UI. The in-sim UI, yeah. I gotcha. That'll be interesting to see, because that's been that way for a long time. So I got some swag this week uh, for coming in second in the Daytona 250 Dirty Monkey Autism Awareness Race. 
And uh, it's a nice black hat uh, got from John Fowler. He shipped to me. I also had got $55 in iRacing credits for that race. But uh, love the hat, John. Uh, the, the autism logo, Daytona 250 across the front. Uh, it's a great uh, trophy. And so I do appreciate him sending that and uh, love to be involved. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Who else is committed, Brian? Wow, this is pretty cool. So everybody knows Matt Malone. He's an iRacing super streamer, I'll call him, just because he's very popular. Maybe one of the most popular streamers out there. He, uh, Matt Malone, he's uh, been a guest on the show, and he's in the All-Star Porsche Race Series. And uh, he showed off his commitment to the sim by showing his active account set to automatically renew at the next uh, available time that he hasn't paid for, January 8th, 2031. <laughs> that was not a mistake, 2031. So 10 he's years from up, now. He's paid up for 10 years of service. So he's hoping that iRacing stays for that long? <laughs> I guess. Maybe he has optimistic one of those. on their future. Those accounts that they, Steve Myers gives away that has all the money in it or something. Maybe, but that's, you know, that's, le that's like leasing a car for 10 years. I wonder if there's any other members out there that have, have prepaid more than 10 years. Man, maybe Dale Jr., but they gave that away to, I'm sure, lifetime for free. He's probably on the owner's account now. There are a lot of members who have already prepaid for uh, Bristol Dirt, though. Yeah, so we got a nice, kind of a nice video here. Plus, uh, you know, look at or showing what the Bur Bristol uh, dirt is going to look like since it's the first thing that, you know, we've seen them putting the stuff down on the track at, in, in some pictures. Uh, but now we get to actually see and feel the track here coming up in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, it's going to be available next week uh, in the build. And uh, Steve Myers also has let us know that. Uh, if you already have Bristol, you get Bristol dirt. That's nice. I mean, that's expected, I think. I mean, it's just a different configuration of the same track, and I don't think they've ever charged for different configurations before. Well, what do you what do you think of the video, too, watching it? It looks like it's going to be fun. I don't know what it's going to be like having, you know, I don't know what the field sizes are going to be on it but and how they're going to run this, but someone posted in our our page it's probably going to be the quickest nis event because it's going to be maybe heats or something well somebody at first was like because they thought the race would be shorter was saying that, that it would be short but then they were like oh yeah there will be heat races as well so during the heat races you're going to be sitting there watching the other heat races that's true are we really going to have heat races in nis or well Pro probably didn't they re didn't NASCAR release the plan for they did the Bristol? I never looked. I never got a chance to look at it. I didn't either, but they did release the details of how they're going to stage the event, like links and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I, I kind of assume iRacing will just it'll just be a normal you know NIS event, no heats or anything like that. That's my guess, but I don't know. So it looks like they're twenty sec. They're showing here they're doing about twenty seconds going around the track. Um, so you're five seconds slower than on the pavement. Uh, be interesting to see what it's going to be like. Yeah, for the winged cars, it's, it's the opposite. They're stupid fast. Well, and it's all 
three series will be there that week too, right? It should have the Xfinity and the trucks joining them. I saw the trucks in this post or in this video too. What's cool about the video is it was released exclusively at NASCAR by NASCAR. Uh, they put it out first and then iRacing put it out to their social channels after the fact. Um, and I think that's cool because, you know, they're getting it out to all the NASCAR fans it say, and it says, alert, you know, coming to iRacing servers near you. You know, available March 9th, you know, like trying to get people's interest up. I wonder, um, I know that uh, they have to change the car a bit too. Like, to, to, I don't know if they do they use the same grill openings and stuff like that, um, that they would run in a normal cup car for this type of race. Like, I know sometimes they, I know the trucks, they kind of jack the front ends up and, and change a whole bunch of things. So, does that mean we might get an update when they finally see what the cars are going to look like uh, visually wise, maybe for this race? Well, or are we just going to run it the way that they look right now? Bob Pockrass last night posted up the details of what the car changes are going to be. And Dale Jr. was tweeting his pleasure that the spoiler or the front spoiler is gone on these cars for the dirt race. I'm guessing he's probably hoping that they never put it back on. Right? And never come back, right? <laughs> but uh, you're, you're right. Are we going to get an updated visual car in time? I I would guess not, but who knows? I never noticed that the trucks for the Eldora race was never changed, was it? I, I don't remember. I don't think the trucks looked any different going around Eldora than any of the other tracks. Or Eldora, sorry. Never noticed. Well, with uh, you know, with dirt coming and everything else, um, gotta have some downtime. That's happening uh, next Tuesday, March 9th, eight a.m. for the deployment of the season two release. So there it is, and we shall await all the posts saying what happened. I racing. Why are they down? <laughs> Don't forget the test drive thing too. When it's down, you can go to that testdrive.iracing.com and try any car on a track you own. But any car, even if you don't own it, you can drive it. Next up, news about R-Factor getting purchased, gobbled up. Uh, a company called Motorsports Game has acquired developer Studio 397 and the R-Factor simulation platform with it. And... Uh, you know, when I first heard this, I'm just like, oh, I hope iRacing doesn't get bought and uh, turned into something that we don't want it to be. Um, but then I started thinking and I saw some posts. Uh, I think it was Nick Neven posted up in the forums the fact that, you know, don't forget that John Henry, you know, posted up all his money to make iRacing to what it is today. And he didn't have to do that. And I think the last thing he's trying to do is sell it to make money. I mean, that's not what John Henry's trying to do. Yeah, this is more like of a, a pet project for John Henry. It's it's a passion for him. So I don't think he's want to get rid of it any more than any of us would want to give up iRacing. Um, you know, it's 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 a pro, it's a passion project for him, not necessarily something that he's looking to cash out on. You have the quote from Nick. I'll read it. It says. They don't have the money to take iRacing, and iRacing has people behind it that aren't just looking for a cash out. John Henry saved us 
all with his money to get iRacing to a point where they are at the top and making good money with a solid future. I think this, I is, a, this is a couple of other groups desperately trying to even keep up with iRacing. And competition's good, right, David? I mean, that's going to push iRacing. Uh, it's good, I think, healthy to have competition. Definitely. Now, now um, when, you, when you read that, Mike, I had a completely different reaction. I was thinking more of the exclusivity deals like uh, they did with 24 Hours Le Mans uh, that would, would – would this uh, would this uh, company try to get some exclusivity uh, type of things where it would not be available anymore through iRacing? That's what I was concerned about. Well, yeah, somebody else posted in the forums that um, just what you're saying that this makes that whole Lamar thing even worse than it was before, because now you have another player involved. Right, and yeah, like you were saying, uh, competition's good, but. You know, when you have exclusivity rights, there's no more competition. You have you, nobody else can do that. So you're not. No one can offer that product. So there's really the the uh, competition in that instance is not there. So that's what I didn't like about the whole Lamont uh, thing. So um, I just hope that doesn't happen again in different forms. That would be disappointing. Well. And then we also had a report this week that the British GT Esports Championship is uh, joining SRO's Global Sim Racing roster, which really means they're running a set of Corsa uh, for the first time uh, for their event. So um, they got an exclusive with a set of Corsa. And so you're starting to see series, you know, tie down with certain, you know, titles. Uh, we've seen the same thing with F1. Um, you're right. I mean, is this going to make it harder for iRacing to get into certain series? It's kind of a desperation thing when you start exclusively working with a certain sim, right? It's like, you know, if you, if these guys, these guys are all putting their eggs in that this is going to be popular with this, you know, sim. And now they've kind of signed this and, and donated this money to, or do they got this money going to it? And if it flops, you know, it flops, right? And you can't, you can't have. It, it's kind of like when uh, Porsche signed that big deal with uh, um, EA and had a ten-year contract. Well, then nobody else could have Porsche Porsches in their games. They had to ha call them R, R, R the RUFs or whatever, and it kind of limited what Porsche could do when EA wasn't producing a lot of uh, Porsche games. So, you know, it, it limits you when you sign these contracts, too. I think we all agree we don't think it's the best business decision for the series, but it's their choice. It's something that was inevitable when all the money started being come flying in, too, right? Sure. I'm, I'm sure all these other uh, game developers and sim developers are seeing iRacing, you know, on the Fox Sport Network, and they're just saying, we need to get into this you know somehow you know get our feet in the door some way to to take some of this market away from iRacing they don't want iRacing to corner the market on all these big events and stuff um you know um so that i think that's what they're doing is here is just uh kind of kind of gathering together and um to to increase their purchasing power of of uh of getting some of these uh, series and stuff to sign with them, so they can do this uh, 
put on these kind of races that iRacing has really flourished with over the past year. You can you can see the growth. I mean, just look at the Bathurst that we just looked at. We doubled the amount of drivers from one year to the next. I mean, doubled. I mean, that's big. Especially for an endurance race. And the uh, exclusivity contracts, they don't they won't really they don't really protect you from competition and they don't they won't stifle competition because all of these guys are ultimately in the entertainment business so you're not just competing with sim racing you're competing with all the other video games all the other platforms streaming right uh people who actually go outside their house so that's it's just like uh, a friend of mine who owns a bowling alley over in jonesboro he'd always say I'm not just compete. I'm not competing with other bowling alleys. I'm competing with the movie theater. I'm competing with the skating rink, right? So it's not as exclusive as they think it is. How often do you like to pit, David? Um, well, you know, it used to you had to think about the just track position, but now you usually have to think about tires. Though the last NIS Open, we did have another glitch come up, and it was a uh, a couple of the splits had no tire limit. Okay. <laughs> the f- and you know, I, it, it just happened. It was it it was kind of funny. It said uh, the bright start was at least it wasn't a standing start like happened a couple of weeks before. Um, and another thing was imagine if it was the opposite way around and you had no sets of tires. Ooh, what kind of race would that be? I mean, imagine taking the green and you knew you only had one set of tires for the whole race. How hard would you drive it into turn one? I just. I can't imagine because we should try. You, you get a you get a meatball once you hit zero percent, right? And it's if you're out of tires, you're 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 meatballed out. Right. So you drive it 40, <laughs> 40 mile an hour around the track the whole time, right? It's a last man standing type of deal there. Right. So instead of having the uh, the pace car glitch that we were having years ago, where it would come out and stay out, we're getting the uh, standing starts no and uh, no tire glitches. Or no tire limit glitches. So if if this was uh for and you know what they're giving you six ty- sets of tires to to change now, that's that's I mean that's almost a no tire limit there. That's, that's a is. lot of tires. That's every twenty two laps in this week's race. You have a set literally for every twenty two laps. Yeah, so I mean that's almost like a no tire limit at that point. How how often are you gonna go through six sets of tires in a you know a hundred and thirty lap race? It still presents a little strategy. In my race today, there was a run, like an 11-lap run, and people were pitting for tires after 11. And I'm like, well, wait, you only get one every 22. I mean, that's too soon. You know, I don't know about the fixed set, but every so far at Vegas, at least, tires have not really been in short supply, even when there is a limit. It just seems like there might be one set too many, maybe. The cautions, what do you think of the cautions this week? You think they're fixed or? No, and I'll, I'm going to save my rant for later. Okay. Let's talk pit exit, Brian. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Liam Brotherton asked in the forums, like, um, should iRacing move their merge point at Daytona, he mentioned, at the Oval from the entrance of turn one instead where the blue cone is right now at the exit of turn two? So he says, you know, real NASCAR, they can merge 
at the entrance of turn one at the Daytona Oval Court races, where iRacing makes you drive around the apron all the way to exit of turn two before you can merge. So, um, so I guess at this point, the question is, um, do we follow NASCAR or do we try to keep everything a little bit more safe and not have cars uh, join in the track? that are way off the speed and, you know, you have cars, faster cars coming up behind them. Are they going to take them out, take out a whole field of cars because they, you know, they merged and they uh, couldn't clear the race surface for the faster cars behind them. So yeah, that's, that's your, that's your dilemma there. Do we do what NASCAR does or do, do we keep it a little safer? I'm going to say no. I I got two reasons. One, the preferred groove in the real car is the high lane. The preferred groove on iRacing ends up being the low lane. All right. So you're going to automatically have everybody running the low lane or running too wide running the low lane. Uh, so you need more time to get those guys up there to merge safely. Also, in the real race, you have spotters saying what's going on and, and helping make sure that that guy gets out it only pulls up if it's safe. In, in an iRace, you don't. You also don't have just the the accountability if you do screw the race up that you do in a real race and there's there's just going to be too many idiots in in a, a 400 person nis field to to know when to safely merge off a of turn one or not well and david hits on the good points there because you know a whole pack of cars trying to pack a, a pass a lap car is tough enough as it is and you add it someone that's way off the pace trying to get up to speed it's it's a problem. Yes, I agree. We should be doing it. Can we do it without having wrecks? No, it's not going to be possible with the amount of people. There's just not enough people watching, watching out to to have it happen or to get by that car properly. And the other reason that they don't do it at Daytona, they don't run the inside, is because it's dirty there. Um, in real life, they would have all the marbles and dust and all that stuff they wouldn't be they wouldn't drive down there on brand new tires coming off pit road so they merge right onto the track right away that's why one of the reasons why they do it i voted yes on the poll and in fact 60 percent of the people that voted voted yes that we should change it back to the way it used to be and i i'm just kind of selfish i think because i used to excel at getting off pit road and up to speed as quick as possible through turn one and too um just you know being cowboy about it and just pulling that baby out onto the first lane as soon as you get off pit road and try to blend in as quick as possible i i don't know i just used to be good at it i didn't like it when they brought the new rule in i thought it was kind of lame i kind of thought it took away from the realistic uh part of it and so yeah i voted yeah the other thing is too mike you're going to get up to speed faster than you would obviously when you're on the inside. Cause we're kind of throttling back trying to get around that corner when you can just go full out and get going, you are going to be slower, but it's not as slow as when you reach on the back stretch on from the low line. Right. Now, Tyler Hudson did a, a reply to this thread. I'm going to read a little bit about what he said. We don't have to follow the real world in every aspect. There are some differences we face where some tweaks are a good thing. This is one of them. In a majority of the races, it is best that they merge, that the merge points stay at the exit of turn two. Think of all the races that go off at this track, the different splits and skill levels. 
those that have been here long enough probably remember quite well what it was like when cars would merge here going into turn one. A lot of accidents were a result. It also has consistency with most of the other NASCAR tracks to keep it off of turn two. This is an iRacing standard and works well. It basically almost said the same thing I said. It's uh, when you were coming on turn one, it was death because we don't run this track the same way they do in real life. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with David. I'd rather keep keep this a little safer than, uh, you know, than trying to merge recklessly. And I think the spotter, the spotter comment that Dave made about, you know, not having live spotters. Yeah, we had spotters to tell you when cars are inside and out, but not when they're 40 miles an hour faster than you and coming up behind you. And if you're on the on the curve, you know, even with the uh, virtual mirrors, you're not going to be able to see all the way around the curve to see how fast these cars are coming. You can you can judge it maybe with your relative, but, you know, does that mean, what do you do? You go high, do you go up to the wall, do you stay low? It's it's really, I think it I think it's just safer. You know, I had had that issue in the Daytona 500 with a car that was off the pace, and uh, he wouldn't clear the racing lane and uh, wreck the whole field. You know, with less than ten with like ten laps to go, and uh, so for me, I, I I err on the side of safety on that this particular pole as to compared to being more realistic. You're also probably going to get the uh, the one person that merges onto the track but uses the whole track too right they, they think oh i, I gotta get out of the way so i'm gonna go straight to the top or things like that too right not knowing the rules okay podcast housekeeping notes don't forget the aftermath podcast get it in fact the most recent episode is yours truly where i tell old stories of recording music in hollywood in the late 90s uh for example i used to go f- get fish and chips for ACDC uh, for dinner each night. Uh, they love the fish and chips. But, uh, yeah, if you want to hear stories like that, check out the aftermath. Uh, when you when, when is it coming up next, Tony? Uh, our next one comes up, uh, it'll be next Saturday. We're taking this weekend off. But uh, that conversation we had with you, Mike, was, was absolutely awesome. I was kind of sitting there just – Marking out to all your stories, uh, that was a fantastic time for me, and I'm I'm sure uh, you know anybody that listens is going to have just as much of a good time as I did. Yeah, great stories from my past. Uh, check it out. Talk a little racing. Talk a little music. It was a pretty good uh, podcast. Don't forget, we have our own merch at GridFinder.com. Uh, I went there looking at the hats. I still haven't ordered one. I need to get one on order. I sent the link to the wife. I want her to buy it, though. And uh, we'll see how that goes. And don't forget, Midwest Simulations has their spotlights. And if you buy those spotlights from Midwest Simulations and you use our coupon code iRacersLounge, you get 10% off. We're also on the Performance Motorsports Network. And with that, Fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. What do we talk about this week? Um, (laughs) My choices? Man, uh, my choices have been nothing but a dumpster fire right from the start of the season. Uh, I, I I, I can't seem to pick them properly. 
apparently everything that I've, I've done over the last couple of years means absolutely squat this year, but uh, we definitely did have some winners. And Greg, I see you're inside the top 10, uh, you know, three races in. And yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. I think I made the comment in the, uh, in our Facebook group, uh, who took Daniel uh, or uh, Reddick, who took Reddick out and put him in their garage after the second stage might've made a mistake if somebody did that. <laughs> well, you know what? I did have Reddick in my garage and I decided not to put him in. Um, and yes, I am regretting that massively. I mean, I nailed it with McDowell a couple weeks ago. Uh, totally blew it with Reddick. Um, yeah, I pretty much got to reevaluate things, but uh, we got we got lots of people playing, making their picks, and actually making smart choices, which is why I'm, uh, you know, barely hanging on within the the top twenty right now, but still early yet. We got lots of time. I know you guys were talking on the aftermath, uh, GI JoJo twenty four. Have we figured out who the that if, who they are yet? We have not. <laughs> yeah, we we just uh, you know don't have access to um, you know who anybody is, but uh, you know hit us up on Facebook, let us know who you guys are, and uh, that's about the only way we're really gonna know because I know you can even change your name multiple times throughout the uh, throughout the season, whatever you want to do. But uh, yeah, we'd love to know who you know who we're playing against. Um, you know put some put some names to the to the fictitious names that we see in here but uh a lot of, a lot of people have gotten pretty darn creative with them and i know we mentioned a lot of that on the <laughs> aftermath too but uh yeah so some people are having some fun with it which is good that's that's why we're doing this just to just to hang out and and have a good time while we're watching some racing you know we're kind of holding up the back here brian i mean i see you and tyler and me here 29th, 30th, 31st, Stephen is 32nd. I mean, what's the story? I'll tell you what. I, I picked uh, – I had Byron, uh, Larson, and Reddick in my group, and I still only matched – still in 30th place. It, it's – right now it's uh, – I'm kind of – I'm deploying a different type of strategy than I, I thought I would, but I'm, I'm kind of – I've kind of thought last week – I didn't want to use the the heavy hitters. I know you were talking in the aftermath there, Tony, about you know picking wisely, obviously because of the ten choices. And I, I want those ten choices to be a you know for the last from race fifteen or sixteen to race twenty six. I want to have the ability to use the guys that are going to be fighting to try either get in the playoffs or or that are there trying getting points and kind of thinking of what's the best bet to start off these first couple of weeks with Because technically you could take chase and put them on all the road courses and you use five of them up already in the year. And what does that get you? Right? Well, yeah. And you know, that's, that's kind of what these first bunch of races are all about is just kind of finding and, you know, finding and figuring out that, that groove, I guess you could say it's, it's tough. I mean, th this year, you know, We've got like three winners that nobody really would have expected to to break out this early um, or at all this year. A um, little bit of unpredictability, which you know it throws a 
a wrench into to some people's lineups, but it, it works really well for others. Um, you know, we're still in the shakedown period of the season. So, you know, another few races as, uh, you know, as everybody kind of settles into the season, uh, we should start seeing some trends and, uh, you know, seeing some, some different things shape out. So it might be, might make things a little easier, but with, like you said, you know, we got five road courses, we've got dirt at Bristol. There's a, like the, the, the whole schedule is all different. Everything's different. It's, it's, it's making fantasy life a little, little tough for some of us. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, we're going to move on into hardware software, I guess. I got one to pick up for you. Uh, Sim Racing blog has posted a review of the Mega Cup Sim Pedals with prices that range from 630 euros to 870 euros. Um, got a little brief cut from the review. They're built entirely from laser cut stainless steel, and they report that there's no flex or play in the pedal set. All the pedals have their own load cell, and the brake pedal has a maximum load of 200 kilograms. Uh, I read the rest of the conclusion, and it was pretty positive, and they've even kept it on their P1X rig. Uh, so a lot of positive things to say of this Czech pedal set. Uh, you wouldn't think Czech Republic for your sim racing needs, but um, I've seen these pedals mentioned a few different times now, and um, we've talked about them, I think, once or twice before. Um, it's an interesting design. Um, not, not a bad price, 870 euros. You know, if you're looking at hydraulics, you're going to pay 1200, 1500, maybe 2000 even, you know, if you're looking at those Rickmotecs and whatnot. But uh, if you want something a little more budget friendly, this might be something to look at. So uh, next up, we have uh, the Pimax 8K um, VR headset. Um, they could be getting a firmware update, which will allow it to run at 90 hertz on certain GPS, GPUs, it says. Uh, there's not a list of which GPUs, but that's just the wording that was in the release. So it looks like it's just a firmware. It, you know, uh, the 8K is their um, is their native resolution for the Pimax VR headset. So um, you know, it's 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 close to the VR uh, the HP Reverb, which is you know 4K. This is just 8K because it's one screen instead of a instead of a two individual screens, which are 4K each. So, um, but the 90 hertz would be a would be a nice uh, improvement on the Pimax to get a little bit faster refresh rates. Um, so uh, that could be coming up soon. Did you ever take a close look at these goggles or like to buy them when you were deciding? Um, not really. Pimax is known for their wide field of view, which is good. But um, my understanding that, that it really kind of uh, diminishes the resolution with those really wide screens that they have. Uh, the field of view is, is very good on the Pimax, but I think it suffers overall because of that wider field of view. So, um, and plus it's, it's easily twice the price of a reverb. So um, money wise, it, it, to me, it made more sense just to go with HP. I think they're a little bit easier to set up the H is than uh, the Pimax as well. So, um, I watched some videos of uh, of some guys setting up their Pimaxes, and it was a lot more intricate than just uh, your plug-and-play like the HP, HP Reverb is. Okay. Next, I got a 2021 product update 
the Simpit Technologies Centurion Pro 180 FOV projector screen has received several updates for 2021, and they are offering a 10% discount to celebrate their 10th anniversary. Now, we've talked about this company and their product over the years here at iRacers Lounge just because it's unique, and uh, it's basically a half-circle projection screen on stands, and the stands extend above where they have uh, projector mounts, uh, where you can mount, I believe, two projectors that uh, shoot onto the screen below. And uh, this particular product is offered on their website for 4550 New Zealand dollars. I don't know if they use dollars or what, but in New Zealand. But uh, yeah, 4550 uh, what do you guys think? I I would be worried about noise. Projectors are fan got fan noise like crazy. If you're wearing a, using a headset, you probably wouldn't hear it. Matter of fact, um, I'm thinking about getting headsets for for my rig uh, because um, the HP Reverb has the off ear um, headphones, and you know all the different motions and vibration things that I'm hearing when I'm driving is a little distracting. It, it you lose a little bit of immersion because you hear all the all the things in the background. So um, I think a nice pair of headsets would probably alleviate any noise issues with this. And um, they also have a 270 degree field of view version of this. So the one we're looking at on the screen is 180 degrees, which is basically a half circle. So they have a 270 degree, which is almost completely wraps around you. That is a kind of a neat look. It almost looks like it's too much, though. You know, it's like overkill. Now, David, you run the Sony uh, headphones on with your goggles, right? Yeah, uh, and I particularly liked it. The original Rift had the over-the-ear, uh, which I used at the time, but I started using... I like the Rift S because I can just pop it on over my Sony headphones, and these are studio-quality headphones. Uh, you, I've seen some pictures of some of the types of people that you were talking about last last week on the aftermath wearing this particular set of headphones in studio when they're singing so okay we're going to sneak in one more hardware the app of the week tony app of the week this should be almost be like app of the year this is a uh, i schedule um it's not only ios it is you can get it for android as well uh you got to pay for it uh 299 american it's about three and 350 or 375 canadian uh worth absolutely every penny um i download it i use it uh got it in my family library so lisa can use it it's it's great you can um uh basically schedule all your races and you know see what's uh you know when they're going uh you know what's what's the track lineup for the whole season um it throws you updates all the time about I'm totally not doing this justice. There's a lot more features to this app. Um, but uh, I've been using it for uh, a couple weeks now. And yeah, this this is one that I, I just, I absolutely love this app. It's, it's very slick. It's very uh, easy to look at. It's very easy to use. Um, I don't know what more can I say about it. Can you actually register for a race? I don't believe you can do that. Okay, um, but you look you can look it up and figure out okay, when am I going to race at what time and what race am I going to race after that and just kind of make a plan, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So every series that you want to run, you just load it up and then bam, you, you've got the whole schedule. Now for Lisa, this works uh, absolutely great. She's, uh, she's, you know, she's got her D license and, uh, you know, she's got to be kind of, you know, choosy on which races that she's going to run because she doesn't have all the tracks, but uh, she's eventually going to um, run NIS. So it's also a bit of a buying guide for her too. You know, okay, well, what races this season can I can I run that will you know correlate with NIS, and she can kind of figure all that out. Super easy for her because she doesn't know how to go in and and get the uh, uh, the season stuff you know from the website. So um, it, it's it's absolutely beautiful job done. I haven't tried it. I need to try it now. There were several people on the team who tried it this week. I think. But a lot of people saying good things about it. Yeah, you won't you won't regret it, Mike. You like it. It's nice, um, and it does. Like I said, it does offer a whole lot more. Had I uh, been a little bit more proactive, I'd had opened it up and all that other stuff. But uh, that ship has sailed. Um, just just buy it. Okay, that's I schedule. Let's get into results. We're going to finish up NIS from last week, Friday Open. I didn't race. My daughter was here and had to do her taxes on my sim racing machine. Dang it. That hasn't happened for a long time. Uh, David, you ran P23. Uh, yeah, I can't remember which split I was in. Maybe top. But, uh, yeah, it was, there were no cautions. So that you just finished as fast as you were. Okay. And then Tony Rochette, P9 just not fast enough and then tony grows p13 but should have been a top 10 yep yep i certainly wasn't fast enough either um i i'm just kind of okay there uh but i survived and i was doing great up till you know the last uh 20 laps 15 20 laps got smacked around a little bit um and the, the car was hurting uh, at the end, but I was able to limp it across for, for a P13. Nice run. Saturday fix. Tyler Williamson, who's new to Team Tafosi. We haven't had him on the show yet. We need to. Uh, he got a P23, started 33rd. Green flag stop on lap 60. Was 44% on that right front. First caution on lap 80. Uh, ran great into the top 15. Had a late caution that set up the green-white checker. As the leader crossed the start-finish line for the white, the caution came out. I was P9 and saw the leaders cross the line heading into turn one as the caution dropped. Uh, got tangled up in a wreck on that last restart and finished 23rd. Well, that's tough when you think, you know, you've seen the white and you're going to get the checker and they bring out another green-white checker. All right, uh, Sunday open. David, P. Wrecked. You were fired up on this one. Now, I think you might be muted, too. But uh, also, I got it. There he is. Yep. I'm just unplugging my mic. Happened towards the end. Um, yeah, this running well, and this guy didn't hold his brakes involved in an accident. He, hey, he had him locked up, and then let go of them and rolled back out into the middle of the track. Uh, but the more I thought about it, uh, he also didn't agree that me and the two other cars that went by him should have been flying by as fast as we did um and we've talked about it and now is now is the real rant okay 
didn't hold the brakes, whatever. That that that's not the end of the world. The cautions are broke. The cautions are broke. The cautions are broke. I was the that was the car who checked up the most, and I couldn't dodge him to the right because the car that was behind me went past me on the right full speed because the wreck was down at the apron and we don't think the caution's coming out so nobody's gonna check up all right whether you think we should or not if people think they're gonna get screwed over checking up when cautions don't come out the cautions are broke it seems to be better at vegas though no you don't think so no we had another one we we had it last night uh, just cars spinning backwards all over the place. There was a car completely facing pa- facing backwards, and it didn't come out until we were already all the way down to the next corner. All right. That was a tough one for David. Wrecked out after a good run. Uh, Tom Dryling got a P5, uh, worked his way up from 27th uh, in qualifying. Yes, he did qualify. Ran in the top eight all race. A late race restart and a couple guys just had faster earlier speed uh, but I'll take a top five good run Sunday fixed we had a pretty good turnout I ran p8 started like 18th but worked my way up to the back half of the top 10 basically uh, nine or ten cautions though I felt like the only way to do better was to have track position from the qualifying and keep it um, I could just never get up past like fifth and uh, I don't know, to get in that top five, I think you have to start there. I mean, that's kind of how I felt uh, in that race. Brian P19. Yeah, so I actually started on the outside pole of this race. Um, I fell back a little bit on the start, you know, to like fifth or sixth, just getting comfortable, you know, trying to save tires. And, uh, you know, I was in top 10 all race long. Um, we had uh, a caution with six laps to go. I was in seventh place. And, you know, by the time uh, the by the time the uh, green flag came back out, it was basically a green-white checker, but not officially a green-white checker. As you know, I was in seventh place and people were, had two tires in front of me and they just lost control of their car. Uh, they crashed. I T-boned somebody and uh, just limped at home in, in uh, 19th. Wasn't it the somebody loaded in to watch you race yeah. and then it crashed? Yeah. <laughs> Chris Scales, uh, he finished his race a little before I did, so he stopped in to to watch. And uh, I, had, I think I'm cursed with uh, with guys from the team watching me race. Every time somebody comes to watch me race, I wind up getting getting taken out. I think you're going to have to really look into Starlink. <laughs> Maybe. So we don't have Chris's result, but I remember he finished early because they didn't have any cautions or very few. And we'll have to find out how Chris ran on the aftermath, if he can remember a week from Saturday. It's pro- the reason no he doesn't put his results in is because he can't remember five minutes later when it's time to type them in. <laughs> All right. So well, Chris- maybe he'll use that app. But it shows you what your race results are if he uses the uh, iSchedule. There you go. Get the iSchedule, Chris. Uh, yeah, when Chris was trying to go help uh, Brian there at the end of the race, it didn't work out. And tough luck. Uh, Brian, uh, Tyler ran, Tyler Williamson, P32, started P31, nice long green run to lap 40, moved up to 18th, car was good, but blew the motor on a restart, it was ripping from third to second equals boom. What kind of shifter does he have? 
He's got a he's got a G twenty seven shipper. Yeah, that to be fair, I think he was distracted by his, his son was distracting him. Yeah, he was trying to babysit at the same time as the race. That's what I remember. Good luck with that. Let's talk Vegas Wednesday Open. David P nineteen. Yeah, this one I was running, probably going to get a top ten, and had a had a guy kind of pulled a crossover on me, and we were three right again, and I just was on the throttle hard and a little bit too much will it got just loose enough that i bounced off the wall and took two guys out and finished 19th myself you know it was hard racing but i definitely missed it at the end so i would have apologized to the guy but he he got too many cuss words in pretty quick so so i told him i would have apologized to him and then went on about my business okay tom dryling p24 wow had some issues at the beginning got damaged unfortunately the race went caution free I'll get another shot Sunday. I ran P23. Uh-huh. Started 10th, ran 4th to 9th, basically all 9th, uh, after a good cue. Uh, spun myself out trying too hard on the final restart. Wow, I suck. I mean, I was running good. I had a top 10 for sure on that final restart. I, I was, you know, you can hold it flat going through one and two. And I was trying to hold it flat going through three and four on that first lap. And you just quite can't do that. You have to just breathe it just a little bit or you're going to spin out. And I was thinking, okay, it's go time. I'm going to try to get to the top five. I'm not going to lift it all and I'll just wheel it. And I couldn't wheel it and a sucker went around on me. My luck continues. Uh, Tony Rochette, P4, great on the long run, but just had a tad loose uh, and lappers were blocking the bottom. So I think that was probably the best run out of everybody. And then I ran Thursday open earlier today. Finally, a top 10, P9. Actually ran top five uh, for the first run and then got door slammed twice for 8X and some damage. I was down 20 on the revs. I had about a minute and a half of damage. Uh, I did come up from the back to about 16th. I couldn't really get higher than that with it being slow. But pit strategy got me to ninth at the end. I, I pitted uh, when the window opened up and basically didn't pit again. And then a lot of the people that stayed out had to pit under green for fuel. And that gave me about seven spots. So I'm so happy to finally get a top 10 and kind of move on to the next week. Okay, let's talk 12 hours of Bathurst with the OBRL team, P15. Yeah, guys, so uh, it was uh, four of us who were racing. Um, uh, myself, uh, Pete Cocoa Puffs, um, Mike Titanium Everhart, and Jeff Porus. And, uh, you know, we weren't by any means the fastest team out there, but we were smart and safe. Uh, we'd actually gotten up to uh, P7 at one point. So uh, we were doing pretty good. And uh, it was just, people just were very aggressive in that race. And uh, we had an instant where um, where Coco got turned sideways on the uh, dipper, on the downside of the dipper where one of the sharp turns was. And he couldn't go anywhere. You turn sideways, it's, it's like Austin Powers trying to turn his golf cart around in the hallway you know it's so hard to get out of that position um you know we don't even have time to uh to uh, call for a toe before he's just getting nailed left and right so uh, after that we kind of uh, had a lot of damage but we still finished the whole race uh, i was really happy that we we completed the entire thing and uh p15 out of it was like a 50 card field so that's not too bad 
Okay, and Greg, what did you guys do? What did we do, David? Um, I went and worked out. <laughs> Seriously, actually, I was at the gym when 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 uh, when Richie had the guy just completely block the track at the top of the hill. Bodhurst, there's there's no escape, right? You got walls uh, all the way at the top of the hill, and if somebody if the track's blocked and you come around the corner, you go and hit him. It's also a 6 a.m. start, so it's in the dark. So you come up, there is no lights on the back part of the track, so you come up over the hill, all you have is your headlights, and that's all, that whatever they illuminate is whatever you're gonna see, and all Richie saw was a car <laughs> when he came over the hill. Yeah, you can't miss it at that point, right? You're committed. Well, like David said, there's walls on each side. What, what happened is the spot that David, I think you said you were having trouble getting um, when you had traction control problems when you first started testing, that's where he crashed. And he rolled a little bit off the wall, which gave you no exit on either side. If you would have kept two against the wall, you could have gone on one side of them, but he kind of basically cut off both sides of the track. Yeah, and it doesn't, it also, if he's just a little off, it doesn't help, but you're also doing, there's there's a lot of high speed corners up there, so you're you're not really able to choose, you're not really able to choose the line you're gonna run, because you're already on the edge of the control of the car. Well, you're apexing that corner, coming up over it, and you're about, well, it depends on what your setup and how you drive that corner, but I run it in fifth gear, but it could be a fourth gear corner. So you're, you know, you're doing a buck something going over that crest. I was hitting it 40, and I don't remember if I had said why I figured what I figured out last week, but essentially um, my wheel was changing the, the traction control setting from eight to one. And so it was making it, it was basically turning it off. So I, I have to make sure when I get into one of the GT cars that I look at what it's supposed to be because I have to actually turn my rotary dial to match that when once I get in the car. Okay, Monday night, Fast Track Sim Racing League. I ran P17. There were 39 drivers. I started 31st. I mean, first of all, 39 drivers showing up for a league that holds 40, that's rare. I mean, usually you, you get leagues that don't really fill up. Uh, kudos to these guys getting a full room. I just love having a full room. But anyway, I did move up running high as ninth. Uh, felt pretty good about that. Uh, was able to go through the field. Um, but I got wrecked, uh, ran to the wall around lap 90, and it just wasn't the same after that. Tom Dryling ran with me. He got P6. He said big field, started 29th. Uh, one day I'll learn how to qualify, but doubt it. Got big right front damage early after getting into the top 10. Fell back to 26 during green flag stops. A yellow came out to allow me to fix damage. I worked my way back into the top 10. Was able to work into six by the green-white checker. Eucora, and actually it's called UCRL now, Atlanta IndyCar. David, how'd you do? I don't remember. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pull it up. I wrecked off. I wrecked out. I came. This was Thursday. I came off uh, pit road after the final green flag stop. I think I was right behind you too. Um, and uh, I spun it down to the inside wall. I quickly towed though because I did want to cause a caution. Um. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Uh, I don't know why I didn't put this result in. Uh, 
don't think I was involved in any incidents. There were a few cautions. There was a guy that was pretty mad with one other guy. They, they, and he got a, I know that guy got a strike on it as well. I, um, I think I just finished kind of somewhere in the middle. Okay. It's, it's harder. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of an old guy, but, uh, that car, they, you just don't lift. And, you know, so I don't I understand how they get the different speeds. It's got to be something they're doing with the wheel. And the I think the setup just wasn't great in the fact that you couldn't do anything if you weren't on the bottom. So you had to stay in line. You had to stay on the bottom. Uh-huh. You couldn't go high at all. Yeah, it, you, it was bad. You're bringing it back to me now. Yeah. And I, I think I just I got up to like 12th or 13th just as people screwed up, you know, but you couldn't you could not make a move to pass ever. Right. You had to wait for somebody to mess up and just take it. Yeah, it's a tough to race like that. So uh, we'll see what they do next time. Let's go on to Premier Race Network Cup. Tom Dryling, P6, ran in the top five all race, made a slight mistake in the green flag stops, but I'll take a decent finish. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder the home of online sim racing leagues and now final thoughts brian mccubbin uh let's see well um i really appreciate uh, the obr all guys let me join the bathurst especially since how bad i was at that track um but um other than that we have a new season of arca coming up that i'm looking forward to um you know we got more uh nis stuff coming up so uh to, Good, good week of racing. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. Okay, very good. David Hall, final thoughts. I love iRacing, but fix the cautions. <laughs> what was always that? always that one thing. What was that? Like. Fix the cautions. That could probably be a soundbite. Oh, maybe that's a title idea. Fix the protesting system. Uh, the only thing they really could change with that is whether or not they tell you what what the punishments are. Because they'll tell you if they agree <laughs> that somebody's guilty, but they don't tell you. you know, they, they just say the driver's been notified of the outcome, but you never know if they got a suspension or just a warning or anything along those lines. Okay. I usually I usually stalk the driver for a week to see if he's uh, still on the service yeah. after I protest. That's the only thing you can do. Stalker! <laughs> Okay, Greg Hectus, final thoughts? Uh, I haven't really done much again this week. Uh, work has been hectic and lots of hours. I worked 14 today, so kind of tired. I don't even know if I'm going to run the uh, Road to Pro now just because it's been a long day. Um, but uh, anybody that else that does run it tonight, good luck. Uh, hopefully, uh, I don't think we have any racing, any endurance races this weekend, do we, David? It's just the uh, major stuff. Uh, support races start for the majors races Sunday, so the the fixed setup races that that are like practice races. Oh, we're still a week out from that other stuff. Yeah, it's the the official okay. events over a week away. Okay, well, I'm just gonna try and get some uh, 
hopefully get the uh, NIS race in tomorrow. I haven't raced the NIS yet this weekend in Vegas and uh, do some more of that stuff and still working on a bunch of stuff in the background here. I got, I got like eight different projects on the go here with uh, stuff for the streams and ads and stuff for us and things to go up. Once I get them all finished here, it'll be uh, hopefully our social media pages will be uh, active every week. Okay. Bring it, bring it. All right. Tony Groves, final thought. Well, after, uh, you know, the last two episodes of the aftermath, um, you know, having you and then Gary Corbett on two fantastic uh, conversations, talking a lot about history kind of in Mike, lost you. Mike, 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 Mike. Well, got me now. Yeah. Yeah, we got you. All right, cool. I don't know how much of that you guys got. Anyways, our next aftermath episode, taking a little inspiration from the from the history that we've been able to uh, to hear about over the you know the last uh, you know uh, two episodes, we're gonna take a look at uh, all of our first episodes on uh, the iRacers Lounge and uh, critique is gonna be a f- uh, a nice way to to say it. We are um, already coming up with the with the trash talk for you know how well we we did on our first episode. So. Uh, gonna stay with the history theme and and shine the spotlight on on us this time can we get an audio clip of greg reading his first story <laughs> we might have to take a look into that one as well so that'll that'll be next weekend that sounds like fun i uh, well, you know well, I, obviously i was on the first episode so it, mine is easy but uh I, I i'm interested to hear uh you know everyone's first uh story and see what they say you know, Brian, yours hasn't been that long ago. You're the the newest person. Uh, I think you did good. Do you have that list of when I was when I don't even know when I would have started on the podcast? Well, I had to look back, and mine was episode seventy eight, and, and you would have been before me. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I know, no, Chris was, uh, I think ninety three or 108 or something like that and rochette is 130 but uh i know my first episode was ooh a hot pile of garbage um <laughs> so that'll that'll be a lot of fun to reminisce on fun okay uh my final thoughts uh nice to get a top 10 at vegas uh it's good racing there you know kind of enjoy the pack kind of feel it's like a pack uh, especially after the restarts for a while anyway and um i kind of seem to be doing pretty good i get up to the top 10 like i said i'm, I'm having a hard time getting into that top five though so but uh, i'm done with open for the week we'll run fixed on uh on sunday night and then we'll run the fast track sim racing league on monday and and hopefully have a good run there i've had good runs there uh every week so Looking forward to running that, too. So just having fun uh, here in season and uh, not going to be going to the real Phoenix race uh, coming in, uh, NASCAR coming in, but uh, I'm working. I just didn't feel the need to get tickets, so uh, we'll, watch, we'll listen to it while I'm at work. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.